Welcome, Nephew community, and welcome to Nephew Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Beard, medical science liaison and renal dietitian. My guest today is Misty Nason, and she is a fellow renal dietitian with over 20 years of experience working with CKD and dialysis patients. And Misty is going to talk with us today about food insecurities in the renal population. And she'll discuss with us some of the challenges that our patients have in securing wholesome, renal-friendly foods. She'll share with us some tools that are available to be able to assess food insecurity with our patients and then give examples and tips on how to better understand food insecurities within our own clinics. Welcome, Misty. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you this morning. Yes, thank you. It's good to have you. Would you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and then um, discuss with us your interest in food insecurities? Yeah, I have, like you said, I've been working with people who have chronic kidney disease for about 20 years, and I have been working in dialysis clinics. I currently work in a dialysis clinic, including home dialysis modalities, and I also have my own private practice where my focus is early stage chronic kidney disease. That's great. And so tell us a little bit more about your interest in food insecurities and how this, how you've started a researching this more? Well, I've worked in various clinics throughout the years with different demographics, different patient populations. And one of the clinics that I am currently working in is a little larger clinic, and it is in an urban um, area and also primarily low income. And I knew this and I knew patients were using the food bank and I, or taking advantage of local free community meals. But I really wanted to take a deeper dive into that and see as a whole where that clinic was at and where to direct my efforts at for resources for them. As I knew that I could do a good job of providing education on their kidney diet, but they needed to have access to the foods to help them be successful in following their diet. So with that, um, I did some research on my own and how to come up with a tool that I could identify food insecurity for my patients. And when I did a little bit of research, I found that the American Academy of Pediatrics came up with a two-question survey. And they came up with that a few years ago, and they ended up adopting it. And it works so well that other healthcare institutions have adopted it as well. And it's two questions, very simple, yes or no answers. And just one yes was a referral for resources or to a social worker with a course that patient's consent. And to give you an example of how simple one of the questions were is, within the past 12 months, I worried whether my food would run out before I had money to buy more, yes or no, pretty simple. Um, but so I came up with my own questionnaire for my patients that I think was a good fit for my dialysis clinic. And even though it's five questions, it was rather short, took a couple minutes, some longer because it triggered discussion, which I was hoping that it would. Um, every patient that I had asked to do that survey with was open to do it. I did not have one patient decline, but I did start off with explaining to the patients, I'm giving the survey to everybody in the clinic and it's confidential. There are no names on this survey and it's for our clinic to get a better understanding of access to food and income for food and where to focus our efforts for resources 
And so pretty open um, to doing that questionnaire with me. And so with the first question that I asked them was, where do you buy most of your food? Pretty simple. And they came up with various answers. Typical grocery stores you think of, um, traditional larger grocery stores. But also on that list was convenience store and dollar store. And I knew at least one of my patients was using a convenience store as we had discussed that. She did not have transportation. She was walking to the closest corner store to buy the bulk of her groceries. And so I knew that wasn't um, an issue, but I didn't realize I had more patients that were also using a convenience store too for pretty much the same reason, no transportation. Um, and when then I asked them, okay, if you are buying from a convenience store, or a dollar store, how often? And what items are you buying there? And it was a list of processed food items. So it was frozen meals, canned soups, um, snacks like chips, crackers, candy, pork skins. That was actually um, commented on um, a few times. I didn't even understand why pork skins was so popular until I visited a dollar store. Um, and then iced tea, the bottled iced teas was a common one. Soda was another one. And so then I, with the convenience store information, I sat down with those patients. We talked about what was in their convenience store. And we started with, is there a basket of fresh fruit? If there is, what's in it? Bananas, apples, oranges. Okay, grab those apples. Do they have individually wrapped hard boiled eggs? If they do, make sure you get those. Is there oatmeal there? Is it almond milk? And basically putting together a shopping list for them to help them choose lower sodium, lower phosphorus, lower potassium foods and some good quality protein as well. And then also looking where I could get them resources where they need transportation and could get more food. Um, and then the dollar store was actually quite interesting is I, that was not on the forefront of my mind of where patients would be getting the bulk of their groceries. And so I did a little bit of research on the dollar store and really interesting article that came out in Newsweek, the end of 2018. And that article stated that dollar store sales was 10 billion higher than Whole Foods in the US. So that just tells us dollar stores are feeding more Americans than Whole Foods. Um, also, at that time, 2018, there were $30,000 stores across the U.S., and that's more than Walmart and Starbucks combined. That was pretty significant. That one blew my mind a little bit. So, and what's in a dollar store? Um, there's no fresh foods. It's processed-type foods, packaged foods. And so, again, we can do a fantastic job of educating to lower sodium, um, lower phosphorus, lower potassium, but if this is the bulk of their groceries and what they're eating, we're not gonna achieve much success with those patients. So I went in and visited a dollar store and tried to find items for our patients that would be a good fit in their diet. And I actually found it to be quite daunting. Um, I was in there a while and I knew exactly what I was looking for on that nutrition facts label. and. As professionals, as dietitians, like we're pretty familiar with that label and what to look for in the ingredient list. But then I was thinking about our patients trying to navigate that and maybe 
a lot of them have lower energy, lower stamina, poor eyesight, and where is their literacy level as well? And trying to read that nutrition facts label and the ingredient list. So I ended up purchasing as many foods as I can find that would be a good fit and taking pictures of them and putting them on a handout and giving them to those patients that were using the dollar store and just said, okay, next time you do go to the dollar store to buy your groceries, look for these food items. Um, they will help you achieve lower sodium and lower phosphorus. And so giving them that extra step, I think will help, just help them be more successful. And then as far as the pork rinds, back to those, those fried pork skins, there was almost a whole aisle, a big section of different brands, different flavors. Um, it kind of blew my mind. So then I was like, okay, well, no wonder people are buying them. They're right in their face and they're readily available. Um, so that was a good teaching point for me as well. And then the next question I ask is, do you have transportation to a grocery store? And what is that transportation? Two thirds of my patients um, replied that they rely on somebody else to get them to the grocery store. And it was either a friend or a family member. And I had one gentleman comment that things were getting pretty slim in the kitchen and they were waiting on their son to take them. So that also was an indication to me that patients don't always have food, um, a very variety of food available to put meals together. They're just trying to get by until they get to the grocery store. They get somebody to take them. And then I mentioned, um, then I asked, do you use the food banks at least monthly? Well, 15% of my patients answer, yes, they do use them at least monthly. But even more significant was eight out of 10 people answered that they're using them weekly. So that again, told me that the majority of the food for those patients was coming from food banks. So, and I want to stress again, like it's not always outwardly recognizable to be able to identify food insecurities. And I found that to be quite true from personal experience. So I have a couple, a married couple, middle-aged couple on dialysis, both working, um, have children at home, commercial insurance, and I never suspected difficulty affording food, and nor did they bring that up as well, but I was not asking the right questions. And so when I asked this question, I found out that they were using the food bank a couple, um, every couple of weeks. So that was again, um, learning curve for me to throw all assumptions aside, and we need to be asking those, those questions for our patients. And so with that, I went and visited a food bank that was fairly close by and I knew some of my patients were using. And I can't stress enough how important it is to get a visual for what foods patients are getting from the food bank. I mean, we think of typical foods, canned vegetables, um, canned fruit, peanut butter, rice, etc. But we need to get an idea and see that visual of what patients are getting in their box and in their grocery bag to help them navigate through that. And also really important, I found to establish a connection or a relationship with the people that are running those resources in the community. When I was there and I talked to the folks running that food bank, I found out that they were putting together individual grocery bags for people with diabetes. So when I talked to them about doing that for kidney patients and just letting them know there's a fairly large dialysis clinic a couple miles away and I know my patients are coming here, can we do these kidney bags for them? And they are very open to it. 
And I would have never have known that if I wouldn't have gone there and talked to them. And then there was also a food bank or a food pantry that was close by too. And just talking to the ladies that were running that food pantry, um, I learned that there was a program for seniors with low income that I knew was going to be a fit. I had quite a few patients that would qualify for that. And they would receive $100 um, to buy groceries every month. And that's pretty significant, especially for somebody that's alone. So again, I would have known that if I went and established um, or went and talked to them and established that connection with them. And then the last question that I asked them is, do you have enough monthly finances for food? And 40% of my patients answered, no, they do not have enough monthly finances or money for food. So that was again, pretty significant to me. That is almost half my clinic. Um, felt that they did not. And so number one, so important to identify food insecurity um, and a simple way to do that too, that we're going to get those responses that we need and be able to get that information from our patients. And do they, where do they have access to their food? Another really important question. One of the most important questions I have found um, when interviewing patients is where are you grocery shopping? Is we can't expect or we can assume that they are shopping at a traditional larger grocery store. And we need to know what, where they're getting their food from and how can we help them with that. And then also teaching to what they have access to. Um, we, can't, we can give, again, a fabulous education, low sodium, fluid guidelines, lower phosphorus, lower potassium, good quality protein, but we're not going to have success with those patients if they don't have access to those foods. So it's important to know where they're getting their food from, teach to what they have access to, and also help them get resources that fit. They're a good fit for them. Misty, this has been incredible. Thank you so for all this information, it's a good reminder that we can, as healthcare providers, we think that we are great educators, and we are, but it's a good mm -hmm. reminder to um, really understand the patient and ask the questions because we, we're really good at telling our patients what to do sometimes and you know, eat low phosphorus and eat more protein. But mm -hmm. as you were saying, um, to your point, that if we don't understand where they're getting their food from, what... Um, uh, what where they're getting the food from and, and where they're buying it and um, what what limit what limitations they may have to access that will really determine what the individual can have and so it's just a great reminder to all of us that we need to ask these questions and understand our patients better and, and what their resources are so yep. so thank you so much for joining us today it was great having you oh thank you so much and thank you nephew community for joining us until next time